So the title of this, we're good? The title of this is called <laughs> When Everything is Fine and When It's Not, <laughs> which I kind of laugh at that. Does anybody else kind of make you laugh? <laughs> Unlocking joy. So can I have joy at all times? So let's pray and then I will start talking. Lord, we just come before you and our hearts are just already so full from last night and today and we just ask that you would um, open our hearts more, God. Give us some more room in there to fit what you're going to speak through me, God. And I just pray that you would open the eyes of our heart, unlock our ears to hear your word, unlock my fears and my weaknesses and replace them with your words and your strength and your spirit. And we just thank you, God, and we just thank you for the work that you're doing here this weekend, and we give you this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so for those of you that don't know me, my name is Anna, and um, it is just such a privilege for me to sit here and get to talk with you gals. Um, when we were kind of doing our planning session and talking about who was going to do what, um, if you hadn't noticed the little baby that's around, that's my four-month-old. So I was kind of feeling like, I don't know if I can do anything because I'm kind of tied to that. But the Lord just spoke to me and just said, you know what? This is a season, yes, you're taking care of babies, but you have something that these women need to hear. And um, I will give you the strength and I will give you the words to speak. And he has. And um, so when this workshop session when everything is fine and when it's not was written down I was all mm, that one's me <laughs> and for those of you that don't know and I see a lot of faces that I don't know so I'm really excited because I, I, I sometimes get um, it's hard to talk about what I want to talk about and sometimes I feel like I have a broken record and I've said it before and I want to move on does that make sense Okay, good. <laughs> I'm going to have a lot of questions during my talk here and interaction, and I'm really glad this is a small group. So totally raise your hand, jump in, shout it out. You were not, you know, there's no wrong or right answer. I'm not going to pick on anyone. So rest assured, I will not ask you to say anything if you don't want to. So um, this title, Everything is Fine and When It's Not. So on May 11th, 2000, well, May 30, May 13th, <laughs> It was a Friday the 13th, 2011. I got the diagnosis that I had cancer. And I was 34 years old. My son was just finishing kindergarten. And talk about a bombshell. <laughs> okay. Um, and, you know, so my whole world totally upside down. It just, <laughs> as you can imagine. And um, so this started this whole journey of life with cancer. And I had, was diagnosed with stage 3B colon cancer. Okay, so for those of you that understand cancer, there's four stagings in cancer. The four stages, obviously, the, the, ele the most elevated, and that basically mean, means that it has spread to organs. Okay, so mine was at 3B, which basically means it was contained within where it was at, but I had positive lymph nodes. So that meant when the doctor came in and told me that, that's what said, you're going to have chemo. Because my, it was colon cancer, they were able to do surgery, cut out the cancer that they could see, 
Um, so that happened on the 31st of May, 2011. So May 13th, waited, you know, a little bit, had surgery. It was right when the brand new hospital in Twin Falls was opened. I was like the first, one of the first patients in the OR. It was great. <laughs> they were wonderful. Um, and then um, in July, I started chemo and did 12 rounds of chemotherapy. And um, it took from July to January to finish. Um, and my regimen was uh, every two weeks. So basically what that meant was, I'm just trying to paint this picture for you so you understand. So like I said, my son finished, kinder finished kindergarten and we have to go on this journey of chemo and he's starting first grade. And um, so it was every two weeks was when I would have to go in. And then on the off weeks, um, I would still have to go in to get lab results, you know, lab testing and whatnot. And they were checking all sorts of different things. And, and so I just, I wanna tell you all of that because it totally, every plan, every expectation, everything that I thought was gonna happen for that, you know, going on that year, totally didn't. Okay, gone, poof. <laughs> okay, um, well, I had to, uh, my husband is a veterinarian and he works really crazy weird hours and, you know, is on call a lot and so, and for those of you that know me and those of you that don't, I'm the kind of person who's like spot on. I'm the Martha Stewart. I'm the one that's always doing and making meals and, you know, taking care of everybody else. And so for me to have to take a back seat and have to sit and let people help me and serve me was probably the hardest part, one of the hardest parts of the whole ordeal. Um, and also it, extremely difficult for my husband as well. Um, he's very quiet, shy, doesn't like to say a whole lot, doesn't want to divulge too much information, you know, would rather, you know, slip somebody else money or, you know, I'll just take care of it. I don't want to, you know, I'm not going to ask anybody else to do that. I'll do it, you know. And so, and both of us are like that. And so I kind of say that's rooted in a lot of pride <laughs> because, you know, I can do it. I'll just take care of it. And so the Lord really throughout this journey of doing chemo and whatnot, you know, I had to learn um, to let go of a lot of those things that I wanted to do. But number one, I physically could not do them. And so I just want to speak that out because I know some of us, you know, we have health issues. We have maybe physical limitations. We have emotional limitations, spiritual limitations. And we put that in a box and we think, oh, this is the way my life should look. And then God kind of goes, whack, <laughs> guess what? It's not gonna be that way. Um, you're gonna have a little, I call it my sabbatical. I had a sabbatical with the Lord at 34 years old. Some people would call it like a midlife crisis. And yes, it is kind of like a midlife crisis. <laughs> my husband had one too, and that's another story. But so I just, I say all that because I want you to, kind of hear my heart as to what I was kind of up against when I started. And then I made a book, so if you get some time and you want to read more details about all of that, because I could sit here and tell you 
lots. <laughs> um, the one thing I will point out, and I was speaking about things that were really hard, the, the biggest thing that was incredibly difficult, and I have a picture in here, you can come and look at it later. Um, Misty at the hospital, they always nominate somebody who's in need, usually, during the holidays. And our family was nominated, and we weren't the cut, you know, the part, I, I always thought, I'm not the one that's in need, okay? You know, I have food in my pantry. I, I ha you know, they give out gas cards for people who can't even get to their chemo appointment. And I'm like, I'm, I'm okay, you know? But apparently, unbeknownst to me, the misty nurses and the doctors and the staff is who votes for who gets this. And so when they told me, I was like so embarrassed, you know, I didn't know what to do. And here, you know, God showed me you know, in the midst of something that's so hard and so difficult, God wanted to lavish his love, and he just wanted to bless us above and beyond. Why? Why would he do that? And I, I, it came to this realization that because his love is so extravagant, so big for me, that he just wanted to show me what it's like when I'm giving, when I'm serving, and that it's not my, um, who am I? to rob you if God lays it on your heart to serve, to give. And by telling somebody, no, it's okay, I can take care of it. I mean, I had people come and clean my toilets, girls. <laughs> okay, talk about like, oh, don't come to my house. <laughs> you know, they would come and clean my, they would literally show up and come. And I'd come home from being at the hospital all day and my house would be immaculate. Laundry done, beds all made, cleaned, vacuumed, all the dust bunnies in every corner dusted. I mean, better than I would do. <laughs> and I just went, okay, all right. <laughs> Thank you, whoever little angels came and cleaned, you know? And so it really taught our family a lesson of um, letting people in. So um, I say all that because now I have some questions for you, and um, hopefully this will give us some keys to um, helping you understand how I was able to walk through a really, really difficult time in my life, and um, I can honestly sit here and tell you girls that even though it was bad, and the circumstances and what the world says, I mean, high stage 3B cancer is kind of, kind of heavy, it's kind of, <coughs> am I going to die? I mean, I didn't know at the beginning <laughs> to be faced with your mortality at 34 years old and looking at your son and looking at your husband and going, I think this was part of like, you know, you say your vows, you say your marriage vows, you say your, you know, I didn't think it was going to be happening right now. So I say all that because I want you to understand that when I got to this place, I was in a good place with the Lord. So I want you to hear my heart so that you can know how I was able to overcome and how I was able to have joy in the midst of something that was hard. And I'm, I, I have some stories about things that were hard, so. <laughs> okay, so when you meet someone, what is the first thing you usually say or you pass a friend and you say, oh, hi, how are you, right? And what is their response? Fine. I'm fine, I'm good, right? Okay, so let's be honest. Are you really fine? And what does that really mean? 
Are you really fine? No. No, we're not, right? We're not. We just kind of, yeah, I'm going to say like 99.9% .9 of the time, <laughs> we're not fine. <laughs> and so when we all say the word fine, we, we're all in agreement of what that means, right? Everything's good. My life is great. I have money in the bank. My husband loves me. I got, my kids are perfect. My house is immaculate. I baked cookies this morning, and I cleaned all the toilets, and I made all the beds, and I, you know, it's just, yeah, right. <laughs> so, that's one of those things where we say it, but that's not really how we feel, because that's really not reality, okay? And so um, then the next question is, okay, if we're not fine, <laughs> how do we know deep down, though, if we're saying that things aren't fine and we've got this relationship with God, how do we know that he's good and everything he gives is good? How do we know? How do you know that? I mean, it's gonna, I mean, everyone is on their own spiritual journey, but how do you know that? If we respond to the question of, well, I'm fine, but really we're not, are we really questioning how good God is? I would venture to say that we are. Um, if you would look in your Bible, Luke chapter 17, verses 17 through 19, okay? I have a story about the 10 lepers, and, um, this is kind of the secret nugget um, that I'm going to talk about. And if you're familiar with the story, it's basically the story of Jesus is walking down the road and these lepers are crying out to him and they say, you know, please heal us, heal us, you know. And um, Luke 17, verse 17 and 19, or 11, and 9, 11 through 19. So it just says, Now it happened as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Then as he entered a certain village, there met him ten men who were lepers, who stood far off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he said to them, Go, show yourselves to the priests. And so it was that they went, and they were cleansed. And one of them when he saw that he was healed, returned, and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. So Jesus answered and said, Were not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? Were not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to them, Arise, go your way, your faith has made you well. And so what I want us to look at is two words. In verse 14 and verse 19, there's the word cleansed. And then in 19, the word whole. Or well, made you well. And so there's a difference between these two words. So we're all probably pretty familiar. When you had leprosy in this day, kind of like you were the outcast, you couldn't do anything, you couldn't go to temple, people didn't want to touch you, be with you, breathe, you know, it, you were just rejected. And so here's these 10, so basically they were like a band of rejected losers, you know? And here Jesus had compassion on them, he saw them, and he said, go. So they went on their way to the temple, and as they went and got to the priest who was gonna have to perform this very big ritual, which according to scripture, had never been performed before. 
Back in Leviticus, they were instructed and told, hey, this is what you're going to have to do. If somebody ever comes to the temple, this is what you'll have to do. And all of a sudden, these ten guys show up, and okay, yeah, I guess the leprosy is gone, and they had to do this big, huge you know, ceremony to make them clean. Only one of them, though, goes back and says, thank you to Jesus. And so there's the outward, that first verse on 14 where it says cleanse, that was like the outward cleansing, right? But the second time Jesus says, well, that word in the Greek, the root word is sozo, which falls back to salvation. Okay, which is super interesting to me because here's a person that on the outward, you know, we would say they're saved because they've been saved from leprosy, you know, they've been saved, okay? But really on the inside, there was some heart work that needed to be done because he came back, it says his faith resulted in being thankful. Wow, <laughs> I'm like, that is something. And so one of these keys that I wanna throw out to you is that our very salvation is rooted in thankfulness, being thankful. And the big surprise here is you will find when you are thankful, an overwhelming feeling of joy comes over you. <laughs> so that's what we're going to talk a little bit more about. This rooted in thankfulness leads us back to the cross. It leads us back to what Jesus did for us, that he died on the cross and he rose again and our sins are forgiven because we believe in him and we've accepted him and we want him to come and live in our hearts. And so when I say yes to that, I'm saying yes to this great gift of grace. And I'm being thankful that he did that for me. That's where it all lays. That's the foundation. If I can't do that, then when the news of cancer, when the news of a mother or a father or you know somebody who dies or horrific car accident or I mean we can name I'm sure we could go around the room and there are just hundreds of stories of those things that happen that you're like oh, that's awful you know tragic but if we can't be thankful at the backup for our own salvation then when those things come it's going to be hard to see the hand of God in that so um Thanksgiving is the evidence of our acceptance of what he gives. In Psalm verse 50, verse 23, he says, this one's in the um, New King James. It says, whoever offers praise glorifies me, and to him who orders his conduct aright, I will show the salvation of God. I like it better in the NIV, and it says, those who sacrifice um, my thank offerings honor me, and to the blameless, I will show my salvation. So in other words, the practice of thanksgiving leads us on this road of salvation, which is kind of what Debbie hinted at when she was talking about the past, current, present tense, and future tense of the word salvation. It's that sanctification work. And that's, what just, that's what's driving us. If we're having a thankful heart, we're in that process of being sanctified. We're already justified, like she talked about. We've already said, I believe, I'm there. But now we're in this process of being sanctified. And guess what? That's an everyday thing. <laughs> because I have sin in my life. I have things that well up that, you know, I gotta deal with. And so I have anger, I've got pride, I've got resentment, I've got guilt, I've got 
all those things that I carry around, like Sue said, and with her little suitcase, you know, I'm carrying my bitterness around, you know, don't talk to me, <laughs> putting up my little mask. And so that, that's, what it, that's where it begins. So, and even Jesus' own words in Matthew chapter 5, when he talks about the Beatitudes, I'm just going to read it real quick. You know, he says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. You know, it's when we're in that place where we're thankful, the enemy can't get in and steal that joy. He has no power there. So that the secret, too, is that this thankfulness is what leads to this full life. And isn't being full, when I think of being full, you know, after a big meal or maybe a party, aren't you happy? Don't you have that feeling of being elated? It's like Christmas morning. It's like, yeah, this is a good feeling. And that's that joy that wells up within us, and we want that. So my next question, what is the opposite of thankfulness? Anybody? Entitlement, selfishness, complaining, discontentment, greed. What about ungratefulness? Being ungrateful, having ingratitude. <laughs> and so would you disagree or agree that when you have an ungrateful mindset and heart that you just are robbed of all joy? When you're complaining and moping and whining. Okay, so case in point, here's the example. And this is, this is what I've had to retrain my mind is oh, nobody put their dishes in the dishwasher. Why do we even have a dishwasher? Uh, we have laundry baskets um, and a laundry machine and there's clothes everywhere and, you know, there's toy bins and it, why am I stepping on Legos and farm tractors and why, you know, why are the dogs, like, beds and toys, like, laying all over? There's a basket in the mudroom for that. Like, nobody picks it up. And I get mad. Okay? I get mad. And then the Lord says, you have a home. You have a husband. You have kids. You have all this. Thank God that you get to pick up the socks and the underwear <laughs> and the toy, you know and I look at it differently now and I say this is my job this is what I've been called to do I want to have joy in serving my family and serving my kids you know I want to embrace that instead of looking at it as oh, they're not helping me you know they're not doing their job I want to have that joy so I've had to really catch myself Yes, because um, what happens then is when I do that, I let that bitterness creep in, and I let that resentment creep in, and I'm not thankful, then I'm not joyful, and I carry around my little suitcase, and I put on my face, and I pretend, hi honey, everything's fine today, when I'm peeving mad because, you know, the trash has sat there for two days and, you know, the laundry's piled up over the washing machine and, you know. Do you see what I'm saying? So, so here's, in Philippians, I've got four verses 
that I pulled out. These are our keys. And the first one is in Philippians 4, 11 through 12. And I'm just not, just for sake of time, I'm just going to tell you, we must learn like Paul. So the word is learn. Key word is learn. Okay, so when you have to learn something, guess what? It requires some work. <laughs> you have to study, <laughs> which means you need to get your Bible out. <laughs> and so you got to figure out what works for you. Um, if you're going to learn to play an instrument, if you're going to learn to do a sport, if you're going to learn a craft or a hobby, you don't just go, oh, I'm just going to be an expert and I'm just going to know how to like get the sewing machine out and sew something. Yeah, right. That's not going to work. <laughs> I mean, you can watch YouTube and it might help you. It will, but you're going to have to practice it. You're going to have to keep taking it up and do it, right? Second one is Philippians 3, 10 through 11. And it's the verse where he talks about that I may know him. It's the K-N-O-W, um, that I may know him. And in order to know someone, you have to spend some quality time. And so if you're not spending quality time with the Lord, you're not going to know him. And um, that looks different to everyone. I just want to give you freedom in that. Okay? I know people say you got to wake up early in the morning and you got to do this and you got to read that and you got to pray this long. Let me tell you, I'm in a different season of life. I have an eight-year-old and a four-month-old. Waking up early is just not happening right now. Sleep sounds way better. <laughs> so, you know, you fit it in when you can. Can that free somebody? Amen. <laughs> okay. Um, but you do have to spend quality time, whatever that is. You find out what works for you. Get your mind engaged in it. And then the third one is Philippians 2.12, and it says to work out your salvation. And this is the part where it just requires some discipline. Okay? So this is kind of the part where you're like, yeah, the exercise bike is sitting there. <laughs> it's not going to happen through osmosis, so i got to get up and i got to, like, go do it. <laughs> You know, and so this is where I'll throw in the two cents again about, you know, get a mentor, get an accountability partner, you know, it's kind of like exercise, it's kind of like eating, dieting, whatever you get, you know, like, it's better with more, it's better with more girls, you know, get somebody to keep you accountable. I like to call these the holy habits. Um, they're like your spiritual disciplines. Um, and, you know, you got to find what works for you. And then the word of caution is, don't just do it to do it, like Sue was saying this morning. You don't just do it because it's like a checkoff box of, I'm going to be a good Christian, you know, girl, and I'm going to read my Bible, and I'll pray for this, and I'll do it. You, know. you do what works for you in the Lord, because this is what we call personal relationship. So don't let what this person over here, or what that blog says over here, or you know, you just have freedom. <laughs> and then the last one is um, Philippians 1.29, and Paul says not only to believe in him, but also to suffer. So this is like the hard one. <laughs> and um, I always read these verses in the Bible, and I was like, yeah, I've suffered for the Lord. <laughs> I mean, I'm good. And then the whole cancer thing came in, and I was like, oh, is this what it means to suffer? And I'm not trying to make light of um, other people's burden. But honestly, if we were to sit here and go around and share our heartaches and our things that we've been through, 
you don't want to trade your stuff for my stuff, and I don't want to take up your stuff for my stuff. You know, God gives each of us a cross to bear. And what may be hard for this person may be a piece of cake over here for this person. And so the, the beauty of it is we're all family, and we need each other, and the sorrows and hurts and the joys and all these things throughout our journeys is just opportunity for us to share the love of Christ, to be that hope of glory, like I'm not sure who said it, but Colossians 1, 19 or 29, I can't remember what it is, 127. You know, we are Jesus. We are that, the hope of glory living through us. We're, we're, our lives are being magnified. Well, Paul talks about that. Christ in us in 120, he says, you know, we are being that magnification, that light that's supposed to shine. And so, you know, throughout doing my cancer, I actually had a blog page. I'd never entered into this um, realm of writing and journaling and whatnot, and at least putting it online. <laughs> I've always been a journaler, and that's part of my holy habit, spiritual discipline. I like to journal and write. But I, it was like really private and personal. I didn't feel like I should be sharing all of that. You know, and so the Lord said, no, I, I think you need to, you need to put this out there. And so I was really diligent and faithful. I didn't get a whole lot done that year. You know, I wanted to be in the classroom. I wanted to, you know, I volunteered kindergarten. I was there for every party. I was there for, you know, every field trip. And, you know, and you just feel like, I don't want to miss anything. And so it was like, I knew all the kids. I knew what my son was doing and the first grade came and I knew nothing <laughs> and I could, there wasn't anything I could do about it and so um, I had to find something that I could do and apparently a lot of people read stuff that I wrote and a lot of people emailed me and a lot of people you know responded and I put stuff on Facebook and a lot of people said oh I passed it on to you know my friend's friend who's going through the same thing or went through that and you know, so we don't realize the extent of what our circumstances are reaching out and shedding light into somebody else's life. And so even though in the midst of whatever circumstance that is, you have no idea whose life you are touching, which is a huge responsibility because here we are trying to be a light and a witness to the rest of the world and even within our you know, in a, in a Christian sense, inside the church body, we don't realize whose life we're really touching and what that means to them. It's a big, um, I felt like it was a really big um, responsibility that God had asked me to be a light. And I didn't want to waste the opportunity. I didn't want to waste the cancer. I didn't want to waste it away and feel sorry for myself. And there were days that I remember sitting in my brown chair with my little blanket and my cup of tea, and I felt pitiful, and I felt sorry for myself. And then I'd catch myself, and I'd say, no, this is, this is the journey that God's called me to. I will not be defeated. I, I am an overcomer. And... I guess the reason why I can say that is because I had discovered prior to that point was that Jesus really, he is everything. And I remember uh, getting up in church the weekend. I was diagnosed on a Friday and I had to wait till Monday to find out to have a CAT scan. So it was a very long weekend. 
And even then, you take the CAT scan and you have to wait for results. So it was not till Wednesday that we got results. So that Friday night to Wednesday afternoon, we didn't know how bad the cancer was. The GI doctor said he needs to get in with the surgeon ASAP. And um, so, I mean, you just assume the worst, you know. So um, when they said on Wednesday, that Wednesday when we went to the doctor and he looked at the CAT scan, he said, we don't see any cancer anywhere else. <sighs> okay, what does that mean now? He says, well, we just have to do surgery and then we have to take lymph nodes and we need to find out, you know. So that waiting process, and I remember getting up at church that Sunday morning and I just remember saying, you know what? My heart and my flesh may fail, but the Lord is the strength of my heart. I will not be moved. You know, and I've had many people tell me post that, that was the first Sunday I went to your church, or I saw, you know, I heard you that time and I didn't even know you, and what? <laughs> What's going on? And so I just, I don't know, I just want to encourage you that if the storm hasn't come yet, it's going to. We've been promised it. And it may not be, you know, I hope it's not cancer, but it may be. And so, you know, you have to be prepared. And that's why those four little things that I gave you to learn, to know, to work out, and be prepared for that suffering, you have to have that all in place because joy is possible. And it's possible always. It's always there for us. It's a fruit of the Spirit. But when you think of a fruit of the Spirit, you know, when I think of the fruits of the Spirit, fruit doesn't just happen. Fruits it's a process. You know, it starts in the spring after that tree's been dormant. And then it goes through spring and the weather changes and it warms up and the buds start to appear and leaves come and then a fruit starts to develop on the vine, right? And, and then it takes a couple more months because the fruit has to develop to where it's mature. And before it's even fruited, there's a flower and it blossoms and there's sweet fragrance and then it looks pretty, and then the fruit starts to develop, and it looks good, and it, you want to eat it, and it tastes good, and that's that whole process. So, um, anyway, like I said, joy is always possible. So, having to learn to be committed to being thankful every day, and it reminds me of when we take communion. In 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six, it says, whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup. So the key word, whenever. You know, we weren't told, you should take communion only on the first Sunday of the month, <laughs> right? It doesn't say that. We just do that because it's convenient, right? You know you could do this at home, right? And who cares if it's wine, grape juice, apple juice, water, okay? I've been places where we didn't have anything, and we're like, we need to take communion. So it's wrist crackers and water, okay? I mean, seriously, it, it, it works. And so when he says whenever, like, that just hit me, like, whenever. So whenever you're thinking of taking communion, you think of the actual physical taking of it, or you're pondering and thinking of what he did for us, and that's, that's that thankfulness again. So whenever, well, whenever is like saying all, and all means all the time, right? There's no, you don't leave anything out. So this full life, joy, always, what we desire, it's available to us Basically, when our faith is willing to say thank you. And so your little assignment right now 
is this, is like I said, I'm a big journaler and I love writing things down and I'm kind of one of those people that has like a gazillion journals all over the place in various sizes and so I just want to give you ideas of what you can do. Okay, so like I like these little kind of teeny tiny ones that are small and cute and you can put them in your pocket and put them in your purse, right? So that's always good and I like the cute ones that you can get at Michael's for like a dollar, you know, and they're cute, right? And then I also like just a basic, you know, composition journal, right? And then you can get even cheaper and get like an 88 cent one at Walmart, right? Just a lime, you know, it doesn't have to be fancy, you know, it doesn't. And so um, your assignment right now is to sit there. I've got blank paper if you want some. If you want to put it somewhere different, you can. But your assignment right now is to think of some things. I want you to make a list. Maybe five to ten things, real quick. In this five to ten things that I want you to think of that you're thankful for. And here's the thing. These can be things that are really obvious. Okay, so like, I'm healthy. I have a family. I'm married. I'm not married. I've got, you know, my dogs. I've got, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever those things are, okay? Or it can be so simple as the beautiful leaves that we keep looking at out the door here, out the window. The sunlight, the warmth. I'm just going to randomly turn to a couple things. This is my journal that I kept last year, and I numbered them, and I have a thousand of them. So I did three a day. Okay? You filled three things a day. I did three things that I was thankful for every day. So I have a thousand of them. Okay. Okay, for the whole calendar year. So here's like, I just opened the page, so who knows. Okay, so um, this is July of 2012, and here's three things I'm thankful for. My hair is deciding to curl out and flip out. Because my hair, I lost all my hair. Okay. The hem of my fabric, fabrics on this jean skirt I'm wearing. Leaves about to open and bud, my yellow Labrador retriever, butterflies in the garden, a bird nest in the tree, tractors digging in the dirt, VBS week, tomatoes fresh off the vine, my bed. You know, so like you need to be creative. You need to think beyond. Because here's what happens is when you dig deeper and you start looking all these blessings, they're everywhere. And you start naming them, and it just brings this amazing joy. So I'm going to give you a couple minutes, write a couple things. We're doing good on time. If you're drawing a blank, you can write the words thankful as an acrostic. And you can just take the T and think of something that starts with a T. Take the H, something that starts with H. Sometimes that helps me when I'm like, okay, I'm going to journal. What do I write? Hmm.
right, I'm going to start talking again. <laughs> so, doesn't it make you smile when you start writing these things down? And what it's doing is this, is when you write it down and give it a name, you're basically saying, I'm giving credit to who made this thing. And isn't basically everything God's? And didn't he basically give us everything? So in a sense, you're saying, I'm thankful here, here, and I'm writing it. And it's giving him glory and praise. And then what happens is because we're being thankful, that manifests itself in this joy, this elusive joy that we all want. We want this full, abundant life. And that's what happens is when we can choose to live thankfully, and we have to go through this habit, and that's just it. It has to become a habit of being thankful. So um, we have to be like Paul in this book of Philippians, this letter that he wrote. He decided not to waste the chains, not waste his life, even though he was chained. And he picked up paper and pen, and he wrote. And we have many of most of the New Testament because of Paul, because he didn't let his circumstances. And we look at his life, and we look at all the things that he went through, shipwrecks, bitten by a snake, beaten several times, stoned to death, you know, like, and he was warned by believers. This is what's going to happen to you. You're going to go bound. You are not going to make it out. Don't go. You know, I had people tell me throughout cancer, you know, certain things that you know, you're like, oh, I don't know if I want to hear this, you know. And it's like, nope, I'm walking through this. I'm going through it, you know. And um, I think of Paul, and I think, you know, he has joy in the midst of what, you know, think of those people. We, we read that, that whole um, entirety of the guards and the palace that he was staying at, they believed. They, they were saved. You know, fast forward that to present day time, and I think of, you know, Pastor Saeed. I'm sure many of you have heard of him. He's a pastor here in Boise, and he's in Iran, and he's in Evan Prison. I mean, that is like the worst place to be, right? But he's there, and he's standing strong for the Lord, and reports have come out that people are believing. He's not, yeah, he's probably chained, bound, we don't know. Isolated, we don't know, but obviously he's having opportunity to speak about the Lord. And so that is, um, that's something. So again, the four keys that I want you to walk away with, learn, know, work out, and then be prepared to suffer. And then we just have to practice this life of thankfulness. And, um, you know, it's not easy. There's days you don't feel thankful. But if you start a little journal, you know, I keep one in my kitchen. I have one on my little brown chair that I sit in. You know, so there's not like I have to be pretty, you know, oh, I have to have it all in the same spot. And I have to, you know, so it's just, it's a matter of writing them down and remembering to do it. And that's just one thing that's really, really helped me. Um, and so when these storms of life came, um, I was able to walk through with my head above the water, even though it felt like the water was pouring in all around me and I was going to drown. <laughs> um, I knew, I knew that I knew that I knew. <laughs> 
you know, that my Redeemer, he lives, and there's just nothing that's going to move me. My flesh and my body were failing me, um, but it wasn't going to rob me of my joy. And little did I know, in, for my birthday in 2011, for my 35th birthday, a friend gave me a window that she puts decal stickers on, and she'd asked me, what scripture verse do I want on there? And I'm like, oh, I don't know. Then I have to really think about this. I mean, there's so many good ones. I don't know what to put on there. Well, guess what? The one that I picked was that Nehemiah one um, that says, the joy of the Lord shall be your strength. And honestly, that was one of my favorite verses throughout chemo was, you know, I'd wake up or I'd go to bed that night thinking, okay, I have to go back in there. And I get a big knot in my stomach, and I don't want to go. I don't want to go there. And then I'd get up the next morning, and we'd go. And I'd have to sit there because I'd have to take my blood again. And then they'd tell me, we're sorry. Your numbers are not good today. You need to go home and rest. Don't go out in public. Stay home. And I'm like, but I'm okay. And they're like, no, really, you're not. I'm like, so down, so, you know, depressed, so, like, ugh. and so I'd have to fall back on, okay, the joy of the Lord is my strength, you know, I'll come back in three days, we'll try it again, and so, um, anyway, I hope that that encourages you, I hope that gives you some tools, some keys to fight back with, and make sure that you have some joy, if um, you want to get a chance to look at my book, please do, um, the other thing is I have a blog page you can write down. It's my last name. It's Lures, L-U-E-H-R-S, and then the word line, L-I-N-E. So Lures, line, it's kind of a play on words. My last name is like a fishing lure, lure, line, get it, ha, ha, ha. I know, pretty funny. I couldn't think of anything else. So it's luresline.blogspot.com. If you Google even my last name, it'll come up. Um, and I do have a link to my book on there and then I have all the stuff that I've written a whole bunch of other fun stuff on there um, you can be another one of those blog people that follow me it won't offend me at all <laughs> I got into this whole blogging thing so I get it um, and there's a lot there's a lot out there you know um, but I just want to encourage you you know don't be afraid to um, try some of these tools and I can guarantee you that it will work guaranteed because as my little book says, miracles still happen. Like I finished chemo and we didn't know if I could get pregnant. And guess what? I have a four month old. So um, yeah, that was kind of like the big surprise of, you know, um, post finishing chemo and finishing everything up. Wasn't sure if that was gonna take place. So yeah, so let's pray and then we can visit and if you have any questions, so. Lord, I just thank you so much for your word, and I thank you for each of these ladies that's here that's represented, and I just thank you, God, that your word, oh, it's just so good. It brings joy to my heart, God, that you just don't disappoint, God. I think about your word and how we shall meditate on it, how it lights our path, how it brings us comfort, and um, we just thank you, God, for the nuggets of truth, these keys that you've 
revealed to us in your word. And I pray that these ladies would be able to take it home with them, that they would be able to um, really absorb it and be able to process it, God. And just this concept of being thankful, that it really does result in joy, that it results in pure joy from you. And um, there's just nothing that can replace that. We can look for it in lots of different places. We can have expectations. We can try to find it in other, other ways. And there's just nothing else but your word and developing our relationship with you. And so, God, I just pray that you would help these ladies to remember Remember that they have to go on this journey to learn, to know, and to work out, and then be prepared for that suffering that, that will come or has come. And I just pray that you would equip them. It says in your word that you've given us every spiritual blessing. And so I just pray that these women would, would leave here, God, changed, knowing that they possess the keys to unlocking true joy and having that joy on a daily basis. We just give you all the glory and thanks in your son's name. Amen. Awesome.